All right, welcome back to another installment in our series on the Mivtsoyim, on the mitzvah campaigns that were established by the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And uh, we want to again take the opportunity to remind everyone that this campaign or this series of learning about the mitzvah campaigns uh, is dedicated, both the, the study as well as all of the mitzvahs that come from the study are all dedicated li'ilui nishmas for the ascent of the neshama of Dinaleya Bas Menachem Mendel, as well as David Lazer ben Yosef Shleiman. We should uh, have that in mind when we're studying tonight as well as when we're implementing what we've studied. Tonight's class is about Mivza Teira, the campaign to promote the study of Torah. And uh, when we made up the calendar at the beginning of the year, we were deliberate in choosing this campaign for this time of year because we are right now in the days before Shavuos, the Yom Tov of Shavuos, which is the anniversary and the reliving of the revelation at Sinai. Um, on, uh, on Shavuos, we, we commemorate, we give thanks, we relive the experience of God giving us His law, revealing His will, His innermost will to us in the form of the Torah uh, at Sinai 3,333 years ago, I think it is now. Someone can do a uh, calculation. What's 5781 minus 2448? I think it's uh, 3,333 at this point. So uh, as we're preparing now, and today is Rosh Chodesh Sivan, this is actually the date when the Jewish people arrived in the wilderness of Sinai, where the mountain, Mount Sinai, is located. So uh, we're really in, in, a, in a time where the energy that's available in the world right now, the energy that is um, active right now, each of these days, is an energy of, of receiving the Torah. So we couldn't think of a more appropriate time to discuss this subject. We mentioned before that some of the... Um, campaigns of the Rebbe were sort of rolled out unofficially. I think they call it nowadays in, in, in marketing a soft opening. Um, before it was made into an official campaign. And that's the case with uh, Mivtza Torah. Mivtza Torah became one of the official Mivtzayim in the summer of 1974. Uh, we spoke about in conjunction with other mitzvah campaigns how that Rebbe was reflecting after the Yom Kippur War uh, about the services that were provided for the soldiers and that they, they required spiritual uh, inspiration. And that's sort of how, uh, how some of the Mivtsayim um, were launched, was in conjunction with supporting, uh, giving moral support to, to Israeli soldiers. And by the way, we should mention right now that... Um, this learning and everything that comes from this learning is something that increases the the morale and the courage 
of Jews everywhere, but especially our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land, not to mention the spiritual effects that uh, this study has on bringing merit, which shields all Jews everywhere. At any rate, um, so that was the summer of 1974, but there was actually a soft opening, so to speak, of Mivtza Torah on the 15th of Shvat, what many people refer to as Tu B'Shvat, the uh, Rosh Hashanah Lilanis, the uh, New Year for Trees. So in the year uh, 5731, that's uh, Tafshin Lamed Aleph, which is uh, the, uh, the winter of 1971, January, February 71, the Rebbe announced as Madarf Ein Velt that it is now the time to conquer the world through the study of Torah. That through spreading out Torah study, encouraging people to study Torah, we are going to transform this entire planet into a perfected place. And the key is, is this, uh, this campaign. So let's talk a little bit about the transformative effects that Torah study has. And also let's talk a little bit about how the Rebbe wanted this campaign to be implemented. Um, There's a story of the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, the first Rebbe of Chabad, that he met with one of the leaders of his opponents, the Misnagdim, named Rabbi Yeshua Tzaitlin. And uh, he was one of the Ge'inim of Shklov. Shklov was a bastion of Hisnagdis, of opposition to, to the Chsidim. And one of the things this Rabbi Yeshua asked the Alter Rebbe is, you know, there was a, a popular misconception that Chsidim didn't, didn't study Torah. Uh, and then there's a, there's, there's a reason, like, like most stereotypes, even when they're wrong, they're based on uh, something, right? It was a misunderstanding. But, um, I mean, long story short, really, really short, is that uh, the Baal Shem Tov stressed taking down the walls of division between the scholars and the simple people. But in, in, in many circles, that translated to a perception that Chassidim were anti-intellectual or weren't scholars, which was not true, but at any rate, so during this debate in Shklov, so Rabbi Yeshua Tzaitlin asked the Alter Rebbe, what's with the Torah study of the Chassidim? And the Alter Rebbe says, I can assure you that the Chassidim have kvius item letoiro. Kvius item means set times or appointed times, established times. To be koiveya means to fix or to set something, uh, make something firmly established. So this Rabbi Yeshua says to the Alter Rebbe, well, we have that too. We also, I mean, that's a normal Jewish thing. Kvius item letoira is a normal thing. So the Alter Rebbe said, yes, but there's a difference between the time being established, right? Being koiveya, establishing it in time, or being koiveya, establishing it in your soul. 
by us, by the Chassidim, when a Chassid has a set time for learning, it's not established in time, it's established in his soul. And that is one of the keys to Mivzah Torah. It wasn't just a campaign to promote study of Torah. It was a campaign specifically to promote being koiveya itim and not just setting a time that's set on the clock or the calendar or your reminder on your phone, but set in your soul. What does it mean a time is set in your soul? It means that your study session, your daily, or actually, ideally, it's supposed to be a twice daily study session because once in the morning and once at night is established in your soul. It becomes unthinkable to live without it. You know, like people who they go to the gym and they, if they miss going to the gym, it's just, it's just unthinkable. They, first of all, they wouldn't miss. But if they would miss, oh, I'm in an awful mood because I didn't go to the gym today. I missed my, you know, my appointment, which obviously is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But uh, we should be that way with Torah study. Um, and the Rebbe spoke about it in a very uh, practical, very accessible way, very attainable. The Rebbe said, look, the point isn't, at first at least, when you're easing into it, that you got to make long study sessions. That's not the point. The point is that it should be regular and it should be, uh, you shouldn't miss. So the Rebbe spoke about it at a Fabrengen and said, if you start with, I don't remember if the Rebbe said five minutes, but it, was, it certainly was a short amount of time. It was At the most, I, I think the Rebbe said 15 minutes. But it could, if I remember correctly, it could have even, even have been five minutes. The Rebbe said, make it a short amount of time, but make it something that's a firmly established in your soul. Something you wouldn't think to miss. Something that becomes an organizing principle of your life, where you have to fit everything in around that. And uh, furthermore, the Rebbe spoke about, you know, what does it mean qualitatively? Because there's quantity and there's quality. You know, quantity is you're learning hours a day, which, by the way, I know to some people that sounds like learning hours a day of Torah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is, that's actually not such a wild thing to have several hours a day. And I'm not talking about somebody in Kailal who's a full-time scholar. I'm talking about a working person who has responsibilities. But, you know, they, they, they go to a base madrash in the night and then they study for two, three, four hours on top of a full-time job. Why not? But... I don't want to intimidate anyone. Let's let's start off with just saying, okay, put aside the quantity. We'll do a minimal quantity, 5, 10, 15 minutes, but let's talk about quality. Okay. What does quality mean? The Rebbe said that when you're studying Torah during your during your set time, it should to be it should be to you like Shabbos. What does that mean? It means somebody who's Shabbos observant. If the phone rings on Shabbos, it's not that you reach for it and then you stop yourself and say, oh, I'm Shabbos observant. It's that it doesn't even register for you. It's like it's so completely off your radar. I mean, you're aware that there's this noise, but it's not relevant to you because Look, whoever's calling me, if they know me, they're not calling me on Shabbos, right? So that is supposed to be qualitatively what our set 
times for Torah are like. What does it mean that it's set in your nefesh, that it's set in your soul? Not just that there's a time and you keep the time and you show up on time and you don't finish earlier and you don't start later, which of course is important as well. But what does it mean that it's really affirmed in your soul? It means that during that time, if the phone rings, it's as relevant to you as if it were to ring on Shabbos. The Rebbe actually says that um, when, <laughs> it's very interesting, the picture that Rebbe pa- paints, it's, it just, you could totally imagine this, um, that if a person is at home, let's say, and he's studying Torah, and at first his family's not gonna really respect those times, I mean, they support it, it's very nice, but they're going to want to come over and talk to him and uh, interrupt him. And, uh, I mean, obviously, if it's a life and death type of thing, like <laughs> on Shabbos, you would also uh, interrupt for life and death. But, uh, but barring that, you know, uh, you, you can't be interrupted. So the Rebbe says his family at first, they're, gonna, they're not going to have those boundaries because they're not used to it. <laughs> they didn't see him doing this before. And they're going to interrupt him while he's studying. The Rebbe says, but if he shows that these times are sacred, that nothing else, I mean, obviously, if while he's learning Torah, he's also like texting people from work and like, you know, setting up tomorrow's business deal, then please don't expect your, uh, your family to revere your, your set times because you're not revering them. But if the person will show that these times are sacred, inviolable like he will not do anything to to besmirch the 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 integrity whether it's five minutes ten minutes fifteen minutes but during that time nothing can be nothing can interrupt then not only will his family respect that but the rebbe says the family is going to start protecting him and they're going to keep away any interruptions because they're going to see how serious it is and it'll become part of the rhythm of the family it'll just become how the household runs that during these times of torah nothing you know <laughs> the phone rings and one of the kids answers it no i'm sorry you know my father's not available right what do you mean he's not available he's, he's not available he's studying torah he's not available so that's the main idea of Mivtza Torah, is this creating sacred times with a deep soul connection to those times that we do not violate. Now, let's speak a little bit more about what the Mivtza entails. And uh, then I want to get back to, like I said before, conquering the world through Limit Torah. Why is studying Torah so transformative? What is transformative about, about Torah study? So we'll get to that. Uh, but I, I want to speak a little bit more about, um, about the campaign. The campaign also, like all of the campaigns, is about influencing others. So uh, it's not just setting up my sacred times for Torah study. It's also encouraging others to have such times. All of the mitzvahim are that way. They're all about uh, influencing others. So what, how, how is that implemented in this mivtza? So you know the famous saying, it's one of, it probably, I don't know. Did I do a survey? I don't know. But I would guess that it's one of the most famous 
uh, quotes of the Rebbe, which is, if you know Aleph, teach Aleph. So where did the Rebbe say this? The Rebbe said this in conjunction with Mivtza with the Torah study campaign. The Rebbe said that a person might think, well, I'm no scholar, so how am I going to go uh, influence other people to study Torah? I have no Torah to share. So, like, basically, I have, I have no part in this campaign. So the Rebbe said, first of all, who says that you have to be the teacher? Maybe you can be the marketing, you know? <laughs> You can be the promoter, you know, the carnival barker who gets the people to come into the tent. You don't have to be the, the one who actually performs, the rabbi who gives the shear. You could be the one who gets people to the shear. Although, by the way, I want to just take this moment to, do, uh, to play both roles. Uh, Shavuos, Sunday night, right? We have a custom to stay up all night studying Torah. So I want to invite everybody, I'm going to promote my own shir right now. I want to invite everybody who is in five towns for Yom Tif, or if you're not in five towns for Yom Tif, maybe you'll make a point to come into five towns for Yom Tif, to uh, come join us for all night Torah study. We're going to be learning Torah all night. We're going to have some exciting topics. I think we're starting at 11.30 p.m., and we're going to be going uh, basically till whatever, till dawn, four or five, whatever it is. Uh, and uh, I'm sure just the, the promise of Torah study is enough to attract you all. But we're going to throw in extra, no extra charge. Um, there's going to be a sushi bar as well. So come join us for a sushi bar and refreshments. And I'm sure it'll, it'll be social over there. It'll be a nice company. And I'll be teaching uh, some classes. We'll, we'll change up the topic every, like every 45 minutes to an hour. We'll come out with a list scheduled for the, for the all-night Torah study. Anyways, if you want more information on that, go to Chabad5towns.com slash Shavuot for more info about that. We're going to have a, an amazing time. Okay, so... That's the end of our commercial uh, break, right? That's uh, a word from our sponsors. But back to our uh, regularly, regularly scheduled program. So first of all, a person is going to say, well, I'm not a scholar, so how am I supposed to um, participate in this campaign? So the Rebbe says, well, first of all, who says that you have to be the one who's teaching it? You could be the one who's promoting it. You could get people to come to a class. But second of all, don't think that you have nothing to teach. That's not true. You have something. Maybe you only know one chapter of halacha, but you could teach that chapter of halacha. And maybe you only know an aleph, but if you know aleph, teach aleph. So that's where that, uh, that famous saying from the Rebbe comes from. Don't sell yourself short. Don't assume that you have nothing to offer in the realm of Torah study. Um, you know, whatever it is that you do know, go ahead and start sharing it now. So that's uh, an important message, I think, for all of us. I mean, look, you're, you're, you're at this class right now, so you heard what I just said. 
you, you learned something. If you knew nothing else other than what I was just teaching just now, you would have what to teach. And, you know, just don't tell anyone about the link after we post the recording. <laughs> then you could, by the way, you could do that. I give you full permission right now to take any of my classes. You go to soulwords.org and you could take any of my classes and you could steal it word for word. You could take the jokes, you could take whatever you want and you could do it all without giving me any credit. No problem. I'm very, very happy for everybody to do that. The point is um, everybody can be a Torah teacher. If you know something, teach that thing. Okay. Um, I want, to te- I want to talk a little bit more now about the transformative power of Torah study. What is transformative about, about Torah? Um, you know, it's interesting that David Amelech, David Amelech was a, a warrior and, and, and a king and uh, a poet but uh, first and foremost, David Amalekh, King David, was a Torah scholar. And Torah study was his foremost passion and love. And some of the poetry that, I'm talking about the Psalms, the Tehillim, that uh, King David writes are uh, poetic ways of describing his love of the Torah. And one of the things uh, King David says very lyrically, is uh, your Torah, he's speaking to Hashem, he says, your Torah, Hashem, is in my innards. What does that mean, your, your Torah is in my innards? I mean, if I were to associate Torah with a body part, I would, I would say, your Torah is in my head, in my cup, in my brain, my mind. But why, why is it in my tummy, my innards, I mean, my kishkes? Like that's, that's where you put Torah. So uh, in the Holy Tanya of the Alter Rebbe, Perek Hey, chapter 5, he explains over there what that means. In Tanya, one of the key themes there is the idea of, um, of behavioral perfection. He talks about the Benini, who's conflicted because he has a Yitzhahara, he has... Uh, he has selfish impulses, but he focuses on his behaviors, on the perfection of his behaviors. Uh, and he calls them levushim, clothing. And, and the point there is that when you do a mitzvah, you engage in a behavior, it's much easier to change your clothing than it is to change your body, right? So to change your impulses, your hardwiring, the way you think and feel, that, that's, that's really grueling long-term work. But just to you know, get dressed nice and change your outfit, that's not so hard. And that, that, that's basically the metaphor. It's an extended metaphor in Tanya about focusing on behaviors. Just change your clothing, change the behaviors, change the outward expression. Is that called hypocrisy? Maybe it is, but it's a very noble thing to be a hypocrite in that case, in that context. It's like act better than you feel, you know, do better than you feel like doing. And that, that's, that's very noble. At any rate, so there's a lot in Tanya about levushim, about clothing. The behaviors are like clothing. Okay. And then in chapter 5, he says, but just like there's soul clothing, there's also soul food. What is soul food? Um, <laughs> I know, soul food, I know, is like, like collard greens, but... I'm saying like Jewish soul food. Oh, 
Nederlach. No, no, no. I mean, as opposed to the garments of the soul, what is considered the nourishment of the soul? So here's what the Alter Rebbe says in, uh, in Perikei of Tanya, that if the mitzvahs are like the clothing of the soul, then Torah study is like the food of the soul. And here's why. Because when you put on a nice suit and you look nice, when you come home and you take it off and you put on your pajamas, and now somebody comes up to you and says, let's take a picture. Well, don't take a picture, ma'am, I'm, I'm, I'm in my pajamas. No, but you were wearing your suit tonight. Yeah, but I already took off the suit. Don't take a picture of me now, right? When you're wearing the nice clothes, you're wearing it. As soon as you take it off and you change, you're no longer wearing it. So when you're doing a mitzvah, you're doing it. But once you're no longer doing it, okay, you got to get busy with the next right thing. Contrast that with food. Food has a lingering effect. Food's effect lasts long after you engaged in the behavior, right? You put on nice clothes, but it's... You, no one can see that you were wearing that you were all dressed up earlier tonight when you already you know changed into your pajamas. But if you go and you eat the cheesecake, then you know it could be days, weeks, months later, and uh, you're carrying it around with you. You can tell that you ate that cheesecake. I ate the cheesecake. It took me ten minutes to eat that cheesecake, and now it's months later. And I'm still it's still recognizable on me. The point is that. Um, we're not casting aspersions on cheesecake, by the way, because Shavuos is coming up. And uh, oh, and did I mention there's a sushi bar at the All Night Learning at Chabad of the Five Towns? Yes, there is. Okay. Um, the point is, Torah study has a lingering effect. It's like food that you eat it, you digest it, you metabolize it, and it becomes part of your flesh and blood. When you're doing a mitzvah, so you've done something good. But when you study Torah, not only are you doing something good, which is called Torah study, and it's a mitzvah to study Torah, but it has the added advantage of it's rearranging, rewiring the way your mind works. Like when you're eating and, and the, 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 the nutrients from the food are becoming part of your body. And, and that's what's transformative about, about, about Torah study. And, 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 you know, you can understand very well then what we're saying about if you have 15 minutes of kviyasitim, of you have this sacred time, 15 minutes a day, but that time can have an effect long after those 15 minutes. Just like, you know, you spent 15 minutes, you know, eating a cheesecake and has a long-term effect long after the 15 minutes are done. When we study Torah, it doesn't just help us occupy our time well for the 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour that we're studying. It does so much more than that. It's how that hour of Torah study will affect my thinking days after the study session is over. Because that's really what Torah does. Torah is not just... Um, you know, knowing facts, it's a way of thinking, it's a value system, it's a, it's a viewpoint, and it colors the way we experience everything in life. So when you start studying Torah, it changes the way you see everything. It, it, it's not just you are studying Torah, but Torah becomes your way of thinking. And in that sense, it's extremely transformative.
Um, you know, there's a discussion in the, in the Talmud about whether a Torah scholar is allowed to forego the honor due to a Torah scholar. There's, a, there's an obligation to honor Torah scholars. So the question is, you know, can a Torah scholar say, I forgo that, I'm not going to be uh, particular that people have to honor me. So the discussion in the Talmud goes like this. Well, there's a verse in Tehillim, in Psalms, actually the first chapter of Psalms, which we said today, today being the first day of the month of Sivan. Um, it says, that he desires Teiras Hashem, the 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 Teira of Hashem, Uveseiras say, and in his Teira Yegiyim Valila, he he meditates day and night. So uh, the Talmud says like this, very interesting. His desire is Hashem's Teira. It's talking about a person. A person desires Hashem's Teira. I mean, he wants to learn Hashem's Teira, and in his Teira he meditates day and night. So Talmud says, when he wanted to study, when it was his desire, it was Hashem's Torah. But when he actually studied it, when he meditated in it day and night, in his Torah, his doesn't mean Hashem's Torah, his means the person who's studying it. His Torah, he meditates day and night. Because what happens? You actually transfer ownership of the Torah. When you wanted to study... What does it mean, I wanted to? I wanted to. I didn't. I wanted to, right? Then it's Hashem's Torah. But when you actually put in the sweat equity and you meditate in the Torah day and night, now well, it's an acquisition. Like literally, like, like, like when you eat food and it, you, you metabolize it and it becomes your flesh and blood, it becomes you. So when you sit and you study Torah, whether it's for hours or it's for 15 minutes, you make an acquisition. It becomes yours. You make a kinyin in Torah, an acquisition where this becomes your. There's an ownership. There's an ownership. I'm not quoting anymore. I'm not telling you what the good book says. I'm telling you the way I think because that's the effect that Torah study has, that it becomes my way of thinking. It rewires my brain. So therefore, the Talmud says, yes, the Torah scholar could forgo the honor due to him. You know why? Because he owns it. If it were Hashem's honor, who are you to forgo Hashem's honor? But at the point where he becomes a Torah scholar, meaning he put in the time, he put in the effort, he internalized it, he owned it, now it's his, he can do whatever he wants with it. Very powerful concept that through Torah study, we can take Hashem's perspective. Think about this. Torah is, like the Zayar says, that Hashem looked into Torah and created the world. Torah is the blueprint for creation. Torah is not a reaction to the conditions of the world, like man-made laws come, and uh, they legislate how to deal with the conditions of this world. Torah is the exact opposite. Torah created the conditions of this world, because Torah existed as Hashem's will and wisdom for an eternity before the world existed. Um, Yes, we speak about Torah existing 2,000 years before creation, but obviously we're not talking temporally because it was before creation, before time was created. Uh, it's not just 2,000 years, it's really eternally because ultimately Torah is one with Hashem and Hashem is eternal. So the Torah is eternal. So what that means is, think about this, try to fathom this, that Hashem gave us a way to internalize infinity. That's wild. That a finite mind of a created being should not only be able to have 
a relationship with infinity, but I should be able to put the infinite into the finite? That I should take Hashem's infinite will and wisdom in any form and be able to put it into little old me? It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And yet that is precisely what Torah study is. Torah study is the uh, transformation of a finite being into an infinite being. When we study Torah, we, we learn Hashem's perspective on the world. And, uh, and, and, and that's why, by the way, you know, a lot of people st- speak dismissively sometimes about certain areas of Torah study where they say, well, that's not very practical or it would never happen. It's one of those, you know, really far-fetched cases that the rabbis invented in the Talmud. And so what's the point of studying? It's not, it's not relevant. And here's what you have to understand. The Rebbe says this in chapter 5 of Tanya that we were quoting before. Even if a case were never to come to pass, ever, meaning if it never actually happened, it, do, it doesn't matter because the fact that you know that if it were to happen, this would be Hashem's opinion in that case, and now you have that as your viewpoint, that makes you godly. That's becoming godly. Now you are looking at something the way that the Creator looks at it. So whether or not you'll ever encounter it in real life, that, 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 that's, that's a bonus if that happens. But just being able to think about an idea from a godly perspective, that's an amazing gift that we were given. And then obviously, you know, when it comes to the things that actually do come up in life, a Torah scholar and when I say Torah scholar, I really mean all of us to some degree. Like I was saying before, everybody has what to teach. Um, a Torah scholar is somebody who has godly perspective on all matters of life, whether it's education or marriage or business or health or uh, politics, whatever it is. Uh, Torah gives us godly eyes to be able to look at life. So it's not just... When I look at something, it's me as one created being looking at another created being. When I study Torah and I know Hashem's viewpoint now, when I look at things in this world, I'm able to look at a created being from the perspective of its creator. That's, that's amazing. So you, so you understand very well then why Torah study is so transformative or how Torah study is so transformative. And if we can spread that perspective to the entire world and we can give people that godly perspective, then, you know, that's world peace. Then we've solved all the problems. So, uh, Yeah, I think that's something we can all meditate on as we head into uh, Shavuos and Zman Matan Seinu. Let's all uh, think about ways that we can practically make Torah study in a fixed, established, cherished part of our daily routine. Let's think of ways that we can bring that to others and involve others whether it's by teaching them or setting up, setting up a study partner, making a chavrusa every day. Uh, that's a very, very uh, powerful thing. 
uh, for both people, for both uh, study partners, or uh, if it's uh, just you know, promoting uh, a class, letting somebody know about a class, or letting them know about this series, um, or whatever it might be. Or, you know, today with the internet, you find a nice link and you send it to somebody and you say, hey, watch this class, watch it on double speed if you want, and then can we make an appointment tonight at 11 p.m. after the kids are asleep to talk about that class for 15 minutes, right? And you make a regular thing out of that. Whatever, I don't have to give you suggestions. You guys are industrious, you'll figure it out, but that's the gist of it. Okay, um, I'm gonna wish you now the traditional uh, well wishes that we all uh, in Lubavitch customarily say on Shavuos and the days leading up to it. Uh, the wishes of Kabbalah Satera, Besimcha Ubepnimios, may you receive the Torah with joy and inner depth. Truly, truly internalize it, own it, make it yours. Okay, we'll see you, God willing, uh, Sunday night if you're here in the five towns.